0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog talk Radio. It's mine control. Mine control. Corruption of your talk. Yeah. Destruction of your
1: Welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, sitting in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for joining me on this great day in the United States of America. The Republic shall rise again out of all of this garbage that we have seen over the last 20 to 30 years with collectivism, socialism trying to ease its way in. And as we saw yesterday, one of our great patriots that never compromised stood up in front of Congress and gave probably one of the greatest speeches that has ever been heard in those halls. Next to probably George Washington's farewell address it's been touted around as one of the greatest ever, and with that, I'm only going to be on the air for about 12 minutes tonight because, see, I I get about 1,000 to 2,000 downloads a week for, for my radio show, which is fantastic. I, I love the fact that liberty is popular, that freedom is popular, and that people want the information. I mean I knew that I wanted the information. And so it was just natural for me to, once I found out all these things, to go out and share it with people. Because as we're we're finding out, people don't know as much as they would like to, number one, and people don't know as much as they should, number two. People don't remember history. They don't remember these things because it's not sexy. History sometimes is not sexy to people. But for most people… Knowing what your ancestors did and knowing what happened in civilizations past is, is somewhat of um, a prerequisite for how you live your life now. I mean just look at the societies that have existed before with the ancient Babylonians, the Mesopotamians. I mean everything, all the way up to the Egyptians, the Mayans, the Incans. and and if you take away little bits and pieces from each one of those civilizations, you can really start to build on humanity, and and where we're supposed to be going. So this is the fight for liberty worldwide. Much like Ron Paul said yesterday, hey, you know we've tried servitude, we've tried debt slavery, we've tried uh, socialism, communism, a mixture of that, fascism. Why not try liberty? Let's let's try liberty for a few years and see how that works out. But as he says in his speech, and he goes over the waterfront. It was absolutely amazing. Um, my wife and I watched it last night, and we we're both sitting there basically like, oh my gosh, he's going all the way. He's letting the American people and the world know what's going on. Now see, here's one thing that's really tough to fathom here if you're an American. Americans are very patriotic, but it's shallow. It's shallow. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but it is shallow, guys. I mean, most all anybody says is we've got to support the troops, which I agree. If some of these wars were just and they weren't like proxy wars just to go get mineral, just for mineral grabs, and and so Halliburton can make billions and billions of dollars, I would support that. But that's not what it is. It's a racket. War is a racket. And so you have people that, that salute the flag and have blind trust in the government, and that's patriotism. But people like myself, Ron Paul, Gary Johnson, people that I know, people that I associate with, because I don't associate with a lot of people that don't feel the same way that I do. Because there's really, there's really nothing to it. It's, it's, it's all plastic. It's all fake. It's materialistic. And materialism, as I've said on this show before, materialism's is going to destroy this country. You know, keeping up with the Joneses, buying into all the fake society crap, buying into trends, buying into those types of things. There's a reason that people grow out of that stuff, everyone. But what you see here in our culture now is that nobody grows out of it. You know, people that are in their late 30s, early 40s, even their 50s are trying to be trendy. I see. I see. And this is not a knock. It's just. It's just that our it basically, our society is is getting to a point where you you progress to a certain extent, and then once you hit this ceiling, you either blast away from all of the propaganda and all of the other you know all the other trendiness and 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 those types of things. You don't try to keep up with the Joneses, and you have a complete breakaway from all of that, and or. You're somebody that buys into all the high fashion and keeping up with the Joneses and I've got to have the nice house. And believe me, the New World Order does a great job of selling you on more materialistic things. And this is like at the heart of the psychological aspect of the New World Order. New World Order, guys, is just basically global government. It's global government run by a bunch of like bankers and and special interests and stuff like that. It's not like – you know a bunch of guys getting in a room together and like i said smoking cigars and finding out who they're going to kill i mean that's i've discussed that before and it's, it's been covered in a book i mean it was it was covered in one of the books that i've read and what you find is that is that now we're at the precipice and you have an entirely uninformed population this is this is just a recipe for disaster if you ask me you have an entire uninformed population that doesn't care about politics because it's like oh they're all corrupt but and then and then they're like well but i but I trust everything that they tell me so it's it's really, really odd, and I've played the word association game, and I've talked to you guys about that before here on the show is where you you try to play the word association game with your friends if you're if you're an awake person, if you if you understand where we're headed with this with this global government and with all these little things that are out there and and tyrants basically running our lives and you know people dictating how big of a drink that you can have and all that stupid crap. So basically play the word association game with your friends and it'll be really fun because everybody gives the same answer. Or one of it's like one of three variations of answers. And then they just go back into default mode. It's absolutely astonishing to watch. So here's what you do. Start out with just a wide range of people. So you say, I want you to give me one term that you would describe this particular group and just say um, pro-athlete. They're probably like um, self-centered, like doctor, like smart, uh, lawyer, uh, crooked, um, and then just roll through a bunch of different ones, you know, mechanic, you know, good with his hands. I don't, I don't know. But then when you get to a politician, they're either sleazy, corrupt, or liars. That's what everybody says. The default answer is sleazy, corrupt, liars, not trustworthy, do anything to get a vote, any one of those things. And then I, and then just look at them and go, um, why the hell do you believe these people? And then they just go back into it. They're like, oh well. That's a good point. Oh, football's back on. Uh, I I I gotta go watch Monday Night Football. So that being said, it's a really good litmus test for everybody. It's just fun. I mean, I, I enjoy interacting with people, and I just think it's fun for my own little amusement to kind of see where people are and see how they accept information. And if they accept that and they go, uh, then start giving them little tidbits. If they just default back into, you know, keeping up with the Joneses mode trendiness, then let them be. You're not going to be able to help these people. So the topic of the show today was about secession. Will secession work? Well, for those of you that are out there saying racism with all these people that are going and and you know, signing petitions to secede, this stuff happened back in two thousand eight and in two thousand four. So stop it. It's not racism. It's we know. We know that the government's broke. And what happens is that every time an empire starts to collapse, it turns on its people. It's just – it's not rocket science. It's what happens because it got nowhere else to go. And, and you have a bunch of people at the top that love control. They love to control. They're authoritarians. There's no other way to explain these people. Ron Paul said it in the farewell speech, and I'm about to play for you guys here in a minute. They are straight-up authoritarians. And people can't – you can't relate to that because you're not an authoritarian. If you're a parent, you probably are in your house, but that's for good reason because you want your child to grow up on the straight and narrow, and you don't want them to deviate. And You just want what's best for them, and you know what to keep them safe. But these people take it to a grand scale, and they're like, well, I'm going to keep everybody safe because we're just going to give you taser bracelets when you get on the plane. And if you get up and go pee when you're not supposed to, we're just going to zap you. I mean that's authoritarianism, guys. That's straight up. So what are we looking at here? Well, Ron Paul gave a speech yesterday, and then all these states start to secede or start to sign petitions, which just need to be addressed. And in essence, all it is is a – it's a political movement. It's a show that we know that your guys are a bunch of crooks. It's a show that we know that Congress is just vestigial at this point, and they just sit up there, and they don't really do anything. They infight with one another. And make it look like they're trying to get stuff done, and then they go out and have drinks afterwards. It's not rocket science, guys. They're politicians. They'll do anything for a vote because that job is easy. They don't read the bills. They don't. So now we're at a point where we just say, you know what? Enough's enough. And what the secession call is, is basically. See, all the states came together, and all these people that are like, "Oh, they can't do that. You can't secede. Shut up! Do you even do you even read history? Did you even know where this country came from? We started out seceding from freaking England, and then the states got together. They're like, 'Well, well, we just need to. All right, we just need to get get together.'" and form you know, a group like the federal government that will just be in control of like traffic and trade and stuff like that, and they'll settle disputes and, and those types of things. And now we have a federal government, so it's like, hey, guess what? We're going to take all your data, and we're going to data mine it, and we're going to spy on you, and we're going to keep it all in this big center in Utah. Where in the hell did that come from? We went from a society that was the freest, had the most liberty, the most wealth, and then it's now it's – and now it's we're watching everything that you do, and that's what authoritarians do. They let you know, because they're trying to scare you. So it's just an intimidation thing. You don't think that I don't know that the NSA probably monitors my radio show? Come on, I'm not that dumb. I'm on a list somewhere. I'm sure of it. I'm, a, I'm one of those, you know, those those evil people that that wants freedom. I'm one of those guys. So. And all these people that are calling for, well, don't do it. It's a pickup list. You know, I thought that at first. I really did. And I want you to follow my bouncing ball of logic here. I was like, wow, this could just be a pickup list. And then you sign the petition. And then they're going to come get you. And then I thought to myself, man, that's what the founders went through. You know, there's a reason they got together in secret. And they thought that, man, they were like, oh, my God, if anybody comes in here and finds out what we're doing, we're all done. We are all done. Declaration of Independence. I mean, it was just like, oh man, if the redcoats and the British find out what we're doing in here, they are going to be pissed. But they did it. Why did they do it? They didn't do it because they were. They didn't do it because they were. They were cowards. They didn't do it because they were politicians up there grandstanding about how they were going to cut taxes and do all this other crap and then reneg on everything at the end. That's not what it was about. It was about we have an opportunity here in this land which was conquered. I I know history. I know how it happened. You know, it was conquered, but you know, the time did pass. And so they said this is the shot. This is the shot where we give the people the chance. And the founders even wrote about it. They're like these guys are going to screw this up. Because liberty and prosperity is going to give tremendous wealth, is going to give tremendous freedom, and then you're going to have authoritarians creep in, and they're going to start wanting to control things. And you're going to have people that are going to start doing insider things, and then it's just going to – and then what you have is it's just scientific. We have a dumbed-down population that doesn't care about politics. So now the politicians could just go freaking bonkers. They're like, holy cow, it's free-for-all. You know, people like Nancy Pelosi that like triple their wealth by the time they get in Congress and then they leave, and it's just like, I'm in it for the people. You are not. You guys are in it for business deals. We know this. We're not stupid. It's the easiest game to run because if you can rig the game in your favor for your buddies who give you kickbacks or tell you where to invest, I mean, it's not rocket science. So what all this secession stuff is is just basically people saying, you know what? We've had enough. Corruption – and we're done. We're done with the corruption. We're done with the drones. We're done with you guys bombing people. We're done. And it's not we're done with the government. We're not going anarchy on everybody. We're done with you guys. We're done with you guys. We're done with the Halliburtons. We're done with all the military-industrial complex. We're done. We're broke. What are we doing? We're broke. What the hell are we going to do? And then you have people that sit there and, and try to tell me – a person that studied the economics of this, studied the fiscal clip, studied all this stuff, looked at it from every different way, looked at the derivatives and all that. I, I sat there for four hours watching, watching lectures on YouTube in my off time to find out what a freaking derivative was. That's being informed, people. Going around and reciting talking points from MSNBC and CNN, that's not informed. You're a joke, And then you come at me like, well, here's what really is going on. No, dude, the private Federal Reserve, which is a foreign-owned bank, lends our country money and they've captured us. Done. And who's in cahoots with them? Everybody in Congress. Why? Because they know that if they don't do what the Fed says, the Fed's going to cut the money supply off, and then it's ball game over. It is ball game over. Remember. Rothschild said it best. I don't care he goes if I, as long as I control the 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 currency and credit of a nation, I care not who makes it laws makes its laws. Read history, study this stuff, man. They tell you I mean this is not something new. This is like Soviet Russia all over again, and the American people are just like, Well, I don't know why we keep you know shipping our jobs offshore because it's meant to destroy us people. 47% of the people are dependent on government in one way, shape, or form, whether you get your food from them, whether you get little tax rations for them. A lot of them are warranted, guys. I'm not saying cut all the spending, but do what, do what it's supposed to do. Send it back to the states. Let the states deal with this stuff. Don't have this big – I mean look at what FEMA did. I keep going back to that. I mean it's just a joke. It's a big cluster. You might as well have just blindfolded the Keystone cops and sent them up to to New England and New Jersey and New York and stuff like that to have them help people. It's a joke. It's a joke. Central economic planning and big central federal government never works. It's never worked. What you get is you get people crying in the streets like North Korea. That's what you get. You get a bunch of guys strutting around… In in military outfits, repressing everybody, and if you don't cry hard enough for your your dead leader, they send you off to a a labor camp, or they kill you, or they kill your family. Or you could do what the Russians did and just say, well, somebody acted up here. We're just going to grab ten of the townspeople and shoot them. That's authoritarianism. That's what Ron Paul worries about. So enough of this. Like I said… I get a lot of downloads from my show. This show needs to be the best show that I've ever had. And I set this up pretty well, I think, but this guy encapsulates everything that I've talked about on my show from day one. And why does it sound like that he's repeating exactly what I'm saying or I'm repeating exactly what he's saying? Because it's inevitable, people. It is inevitable. Once you understand the system, once you understand how this stuff works… It is like a light bulb goes on in your head, and you turn around and you look and you wake up one morning and you go, Oh man, we're okay. So let me get this straight. We borrow money from a private bank, and then they bail out companies that fail and then sign us on to the debt. How can they do that? Well, they can do that because they own the Congress, and they use fear tactics and scare tactics to the public. Telling them that their way of life is going to go away if they don't give them all this money. And now they're coming out with the VAT tax and the carbon tax. And guys, there's not enough tax money in the world to get us out of debt. You guys have heard the numbers before if you've watched Fox or CNN. You could take the entire you know, top tax bracket's money, take all of it, all their wealth. Boom, we're going to take it all. It'll run the federal government for two months. can't make that much money, guys. Bernanke can print that much money, but we can't make that much money. So it's a moot point at this point. So is financial collapse an inevitability? Yeah, probably so. Is it going to happen tomorrow? Probably not, but who knows? It's all about confidence in the system. The Fed can keep printing more money, and we'll end up like the Weimar Republic, and we'll be walking around with wheelbarrows to buy a loaf of bread. Or we can go ahead and suck it up and be Americans and say – and just basically call BS on the whole thing. It's funny. Americans are very quick to infight with one another about their politics and their politicians and, and their political views and stuff like that, but you mentioned something about the federal government. Like, no, no, no. We can't do away with that. Why not? We can't we do away with it. I'm not saying do away with it completely. Just shrink it. I mean it's not rocket science, guys. It's the way that this stuff was founded, but we have to get back to some semblance of order. Otherwise, this thing is going to get out of control. And then it's freaking wow! It is going to be not pretty because as soon as hyperinflation kicks in, or something like that, and you have people not getting their checks, not being able to buy stuff, they're getting their checks, but they're just not buying anything. That will be a complete joke, and then they're going to look to the federal government to save everyone. They're going to look to them because that's all they know. They just looked into you like government. You got to save me, and the government's going to go, "We got no money to save you. I'm sorry." So here is the first part of Senator Ron Paul's farewell speech. I appreciate you guys tuning into the show. I'll come back uh, and reload the second part of the speech in about 20 minutes. But um, enjoy all of this. Get this out to your friends because this was a momentous day in the United States of America. And the more people hear this… And the more people understand, he is just giving you reality. He is not sugarcoating anything. It is reality personified, what he's about to tell you. So, without further ado, I yield the balance of my time to the Senator from, or to the Republican representative from Texas, Dr. Ron Paul.
0: I thank you, Mr. Speaker. I ask unanimous as consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objections, ordered. Mr. Speaker, this may be the last time I speak on the House floor. At the end of the year, I'll leave Congress after 23 years in office over a 36-year period. My goals in 1976 were the same as they are today, promote peace and prosperity by a strict adherence to the principles of individual liberty. It was my opinion that the course of the U.S. embarked on in the latter part of the 20th century would bring us a major financial crisis and engulf us in a foreign policy that would overextend us and undermine our national security. To achieve these goals I sought the government would have had to shrink in size and scope, reduce spending, change the monetary system, and reject the unsustainable costs of policing the world and expanding the American empire. The problems seemed to be overwhelming and impossible to solve yet from my viewpoint Just following the constraints placed on the federal government by the Constitution would have been a good place to start. Just how much did I accomplish? In many ways, according to conventional wisdom, my off-and-on career in Congress from 1976 to 2012 accomplished very little. No name legislation, no name federal buildings or highways, thank goodness. In spite of my efforts, the government has grown exponentially exponentially. Taxes remain excessive, and the prolific increase of incomprehensible regulations continues. Wars are constant, and pursued without congressional declaration, deficits rise to the sky. Poverty is rampant, and dependency on the federal government is now worse than any time in our history. All this with minimal concerns for the deficits and unfunded liabilities that common sense tells us cannot go on much longer. A grand but never-mentioned bipartisan agreement allows for the well-kept secret that keeps the spending going. One side doesn't give up one penny on military spending. The other side doesn't give up one penny on welfare spending. While both sides support the bailouts and the subsidies for the banking and the corporate elite. And the spending continues as the economy weakens and the downward spiral continues. As the government continues fiddling around, our liberties and our wealth burn in the flames of a foreign policy that makes makes us less safe. The major stumbling block to real change in Washington is the total resistance to admitting that the country is broke. This has made compromising just to agree to increase spending inevitable since neither side has any intention on cutting spending. The country and the Congress will remain divisive since there is no loot left to divvy up. Without this recognition, the spenders in Washington will continue to march toward a fiscal cliff much bigger than the one anticipated this coming January. I've thought a lot about why those of us who believe in liberty as a solution have done so poorly in convincing others of its benefits. If liberty is what we claim it is, the principle that protects all personal, social, and economic decisions necessary for maximum prosperity and the best chance for peace, it should be an easy sell. Yet history has shown that the masses have been quite receptive to the promises of authoritarians, which are are rarely, if ever, fulfilled. Should we have authoritarianism or liberty? If authoritarianism leads to poverty and war and less freedom for all individuals and is controlled by rich special interests, the people should be begging for liberty. There certainly was a strong enough sentiment for more freedom at the time of our founding that motivated those who were willing to fight in the revolution against the powerful British government. During my time in Congress, the appetite for liberty has been quite weak. The understanding of its significance negligible. Yet the good news is that compared to 1976, when I first came to Congress, the desire for more freedom and less government in 2012 is much greater and growing, especially in grassroots America. Tens of thousands of teenagers and college-age students are, with great enthusiasm, welcoming the message of liberty. I have a few thoughts as to why the people of a country like ours, once the freest and most prosperous, allowed the conditions to deteriorate to the degree that they have. Freedom, private property, and enforceable voluntary contracts generate wealth. In our early history, we were very much aware of this, but in the early part of the 20th century, our politicians promoted the notion that the tax and monetary system had to change. If we were to involve ourselves in excessive domestic and military spending, that is why Congress gave us the Federal Reserve and the income tax. The majority of Americans and many government officials agreed that sacrificing some liberty was necessary to carry out what some claim to be progressive ideas. Pure democracy became acceptable. They failed to recognize that what they were doing was exactly opposite of what the colonists were seeking when they broke away from the british some complain that my arguments make no sense since great wealth and the standard of living improved for many americans over the last hundred years even with these new policies but the damage to the market economy and the currency has been insidious and steady it took a long time to consume our wealth destroy the currency and undermine productivity and get our financial obligations to a point of no return. Confidence sometimes lasts longer than deserved. Most of our wealth today depends on debt. The wealth that we enjoyed and seemed to be endless allowed concern for the principle of a free society to be neglected. As long as most people believed the material abundance would last forever, worrying about protecting a competitive productive economy and individual liberty seemed unnecessary. The age of redistribution. This neglect ushered in an age of redistribution of wealth by government, cowtowing to any and all special interests except for those who just wanted to be left alone. That is why today money in politics far surpasses money currently going into research and development and productive entrepreneurial efforts. The material benefits became more important than the understanding and promoting the principles of liberty and a free market. It is good that material abundance is a result of liberty, but materialism is all that we care if but if materialism is all that we care about problems are guaranteed. The crisis arrived because the illusion that wealth and prosperity would last forever has ended. Since it was based on debt and a pretense that debt can be papered over by an out-of-control fiat monetary system, it was doomed to fail. We have ended up with a system that doesn't produce enough even to finance the debt and no fundamental understanding of why a free society is crucial to reversing these trends. If this is not recognized, the recovery will linger for a long time. Bigger government, more spending, more debt, more poverty for the middle class, and a more intense scramble by the elite special interests will continue. We need an intellectual awakening. Without an intellectual awakening, the turning point will be driven by economic law. A dollar crisis will bring the current out-of-control system to its knees. If it's not accepted that big government fiat money, ignoring liberty, central economic planning, welfareism, and warfareism caused our crisis, we can expect a continuous and dangerous march toward corporatism and even fascism with even more loss of our liberties. Prosperity for a large middle class, though, will become an abstract dream. This continuous move is no different than what we have seen in how our financial crisis of 2008 was handled. Congress first directed, with bipartisan support, bailouts for the wealthy. Then it was the Federal Reserve with its endless quantitative easing. If at first it doesn't succeed, try again, QE1, QE2, QE3, and with no results, we try QE indefinitely. That is, until it, too, fails. There is a cost to all of this, and let me assure you, delaying the payment is no longer an option. The rules of the market will extract its pound of flesh and it won't be pretty. The current crisis elicits a lot of pessimism and the pessimism adds to less confidence in the future. The two feed on themselves, making our situation worse. If the underlying cause of the crisis is not understood, we cannot solve our problems. The issue of warfare and welfare, deficits, inflationism and corporatism, bailouts and authoritarianism cannot be ignored. By only expanding these policies, we cannot expect good results. Everyone claims support for freedom, but too often it's for one's own freedoms and not for others. Too many believe that there must be limits on freedom. They argue that freedom must be directed and managed to achieve fairness and equality, thus making it acceptable to curtail through force, certain liberties. Some decide what and whose freedoms to be limited. These are the politicians whose goal in life is power. Their success depends on gaining support from special interests. We don't need more isms. The great news is the answer is not to be found in more isms. The answers are to be found in more liberty, which costs So much less. Under these circumstances, spending goes down, wealth production goes up, and the quality of life improves. Just this recognition, especially if we move in this direction, increases optimism, which in itself is beneficial. The follow through with sound policies are required, which must be understood and supported by the people. But there is good evidence that the generation coming of age at the present time is supportive of moving in the direction of more liberty and self-reliance. The more this change in direction and the solutions become known, the quicker will be our return to optimism. Our job for those of us who believe that a different system than the one that we have had had for the last hundred years has driven us to this unsustainable crisis, crisis is to be more convincing that there is a wonderful, uncomplicated, and moral system that provides the answers. We had a taste of it in our early history. We need not give up on the notion of advancing this cause. It worked, but we allowed our leaders to concentrate on the material abundance that freedom generates while ignoring freedom itself now we have neither but the door is open out of necessity for an answer the answer available is based on the constitution individual liberty in prohibiting the use of government force to provide privileges and benefits to all special interests after over 100 years we face a society quite different from the one that was intended by the founders in many ways their efforts to protect future generations with the Constitution from this danger, has failed. Skeptics at the time of the Constitution, was written in 1787, warned us of today's possible outcome. The insidious nature of the erosion of our liberties and the reassurance our great abundance gave us allowed the process to evolve into a dangerous period in which we now live. Dependency on government largesse. Today, we face a dependency on government largesse for almost every need. Our liberties are restricted, and government operates outside the rule of law, protecting and rewarding those who buy or coerce government into satisfying their demands. Here are a few examples. Undeclared wars are commonplace. Welfare for the rich and poor is considered an entitlement. The economy is over-regulated, over-taxed, and grossly distorted by a deeply flawed monetary system. Debt is growing exponentially. The Patriot Act and FISA legislation passed without much debate have resulted in a steady erosion of our Fourth Amendment rights. Tragically, our government engages in preemptive war, otherwise known as aggression, with no complaints from the American people. The drone warfare we are pursuing worldwide is destined to end badly for us as the hatred builds for innocent lives lost and the international laws flaunted. Once we are financially weakened and militarily challenged, there will be a lot of resentment thrown our way. It's now the law of the land that the military can arrest American citizens, hold them indefinitely without charges or a trial. Rampant hostility toward free trade is supported by a large number in Washington. Supporters of sanctions, currency manipulation, and WTO trade retaliation call the true free traders isolationists. Sanctions are used to punish countries that don't follow our orders. Bailouts and guarantees of all kinds of misbehavior are routine. Central economic planning through monetary policy, regulations, and legislative mandates has been acceptable policy. I have a few questions. Excessive government has created such a mess, it prompts many questions. Why are sick people who, are, who use medical marijuana put in prison? Why does the federal government restrict the drinking of raw milk? Why can't American manufacturers, manufacturers rope and other products from hemp? Why are Americans not allowed to use gold and silver as legal tender as mandated by the Constitution? Why is Germany concerned enough to consider repatriating their gold held by the Fed for her in New York? Is it that the trust in the US and dollar supremacy beginning to wane? Why do our political leaders believe it's necessary to thoroughly audit? Why do our political leaders believe it's unnecessary to thoroughly audit our own gold? Why can't Americans decide which type of light bulbs they can buy? Why is it the TSA permitted to abuse the rights of any American traveling by air? Why should there be mandatory sentences even up to life for crimes without victims as our drug laws require? Why have we allowed the federal government to regulate commodes in our homes? Why is it political suicide for anyone to criticize AIPAC? Why haven't we given up on the drug war since it's an obvious failure and violates the people's rights? Has nobody noticed that the authorities can't even keep drugs out of the prisons? How can making our entire society a prison solve the problem? Why do we sacrifice so much getting necessarily involved in border disputes and civil strife around the world and ignore the root cause of the most dangerous, deadly border in the world, the one between Mexico and the United States? Why does Congress willingly give up its prerogatives to the executive branch? Why does changing the party in power never change policy? Could it be that the views of both parties are essentially the same? Why did the big banks, the large corporations, and foreign banks and foreign central banks get bailed out in 2008? and the middle class lost their jobs and their homes. Why do so many in the government and the federal officials uh, believe that creating money out of thin air creates wealth? Why do so many accept the deeply flawed principle that government bureaucrats and politicians can protect us from ourselves without totally destroying the principle of liberty? Why can't people understand that war always destroys wealth and liberty? Why is there so little concern for the executive order that gives the president authority to establish a kill list, including American citizens, of those targeted for assassination? Why is patriotism thought to be blind loyalty to the government and the politicians who run it, rather than loyalty to the principles of liberty and support for the people? Real patriotism is a willingness to challenge the government when it's wrong. Why is it claimed that if people won't or can't take care of their own needs that people in government are able to do it for them? Why did we ever give the government a safe haven for initiating violence against the people? Why do so many members defend free markets but not civil liberties? Why do so many members defend civil liberties but not free markets? Aren't they the same? Why don't more defend both economic liberty and personal liberty? Why are there not more individuals who seek to intellectually influence others to bring about positive changes those who seek power, uh, changes than those who seek power to force others to obey their commands? Why does the use of religion to support a social gospel and preemptive wars, both of which require authoritarians to use violence or the threat of violence go unchallenged? aggression and forced redistribution of wealth has nothing to do with the teachings of the world's great religions why do we allow the government and the federal reserve to disseminate false information dealing with both economic and foreign policy why is democracy held in such high esteem when it's the enemy when it's the enemy of the minority and makes all rights relative to the dictates of the majority Why should anyone be surprised that Congress has no credibility since there is such a disconnect between what politicians say and what they do? Is there any explanation for all the deception, the unhappiness, the fear of the future, the loss of confidence in our leaders, the distrust and the anger and frustration? Yes, there is, and there's a way to reverse these attitudes. The negative perceptions are logical and a consequence of bad policies bringing about our problems. Identification of the problems and recognizing the cause allow the proper changes to come easily. We should have more trust in ourselves, less in the government. Too many people have far, for too, far too long placed too much confidence and trust in government and done enough in themselves. Fortunately, many are now becoming aware of the seriousness of the gross mistakes of the past several decades. The blame is shared by both political parties. Many Americans now are demanding to hear the plain truth of things and want the demagoguing to stop. Without this first step, solutions are impossible. Seeking the truth and finding the answers in liberty and self-reliance promotes the optimism necessary for restoring prosperity. The task is not that difficult if politics doesn't get in the way. We have allowed ourselves to get into such a mess for various reasons. Politicians deceive themselves as to how wealth is produced. Excessive confidence is placed in the judgment of politicians and bureaucrats. This replaces the confidence in a free society. Too many in high places of authority became convinced that only they, armed with arbitrary government power, can bring about fairness while facilitating wealth production. This always proves to be a utopian dream and destroys wealth and liberty. It impoverishes the people and rewards the special interests who end up controlling both parties.
1: That could have been your president, everyone. But it's too fun to get sucked up into the hoopla so I do have another it's a this is the second segment it's going to be another 26 minutes. So I'm going to run over time. If you guys want to hear the rest of the um, the speech, you can either go to YouTube. It's on my YouTube channel, We are not cattle TV. You can go to my website and listen to the podcast about 15 minutes after I sign off air here or you can just google it if you like. So here is the other 26 minutes of Ron Paul's speech, and I will be back on the back side. I'm going to run overtime tonight because, once again, this is probably the most important speech that's ever been given in Congress, especially in the last 50 years. It's right up there with the, the farewell address of Eisenhower where he warned us of the military-industrial complex and how it is all coming home to roost with us. And we are in a world of craziness which the majority of the public has no idea what's going on. So it will probably be just like it was back in 1776. It will probably be you know 2 or 3% of the population that has an idea of what's going on to be the remnant of society if all of this stuff does come to collapse. And believe me, every day of my life I pray that it doesn't. So don't think that I'm one of those guys that has some sick morbid curiosity to see this all pan out. I would like to see what Ron Paul states and have liberty be restored. Stop trying to use government to, number one, to be the moral authority to everyone. It's not the government's place to tell us what to do, what to drink, what we can put in our bodies. It's not. And it always starts with something little, and then it gets to an overwhelming crescendo like it is now. No, you can't have a 22-ounce Big Gulp because Mayor Bloomberg said so. What? So here is the backside of the clip, and I'll be back in 26 minutes and 39 seconds to to end the show. And um, thank everybody for listening. And once again, get this out to everybody. This is huge. This is super important. I cannot stress to you, anybody that listens to my podcast on a regular basis, which looks like a lot of you are, and at least – You know, one in five people are telling somebody because I keep getting about ten to fifteen percent, maybe twenty percent increases every week. So keep telling people about the show because hey man, freedom's popular and you guys are not alone. That's one thing that's cool is that we're not alone in this. I mean we got people like him, we got people like Gary Johnson, we got we got people in the grassroots movement that are gonna come in and try to fix this thing, but we all gotta get together and we all gotta start, you know, speaking out about this stuff. Now here's the part where he gets into the state-run TV, the whole thing, which I've talked about on my show many, many, many times, and it's not a coincidence. It's just something that you know if you're paying attention. So once again, get a friend, get informed, get involved, try to get more people to pay attention. Try to just you know, start asking people questions, see how they respond. People are going to be hungry for the truth as this stuff starts coming to a head. As this stuff starts coming down, as we approach the fiscal cliff, as we start seeing dollar devaluations, as we start seeing countries do what he talked about, you know, auditing our gold—that's kind of those kind of things. Those are big deals, but does the American public know? Nah, probably not, because you have state-run media that keeps that away from them. You know, they got to keep the old. Uh, what's what's it's? I mean, it is mind control, but it's just you know they're just redirecting the public's attention to other stuff. And now is not the time to be excited about Snooky and JWoww, guys. It is an exciting time to be excited about freedom and liberty and restoring the republic, not the democracy. Much like he said, democracy is two wolves and a sheep betting on what's for dinner. But they've brainwashed the public into thinking, oh, we're such a great democracy. No, 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 no. Unalienable rights that are guaranteed to you by the Constitution of the United States. Trial. You're guaranteed a trial. That's why everybody's upset about the NDAA. That's why they're upset about the kill list. It's like, wait a minute, you got a kill list for what? Well, I mean, just people, you know, just, you know, some people. So here's the last part of the speech. I'll be back in 26 minutes and 39 seconds. Everybody enjoy. Once again, this could have been your president.
0: It's no surprise that much of what goes on in Washington is driven by aggressive partisanship, and power-seeking, with philosophic differences being minor. Economic ignorance is commonplace. Keynesianism continues to thrive, although today it is facing healthy, enthusiastic rebuttals. Believers in military Keynesianism and domestic Keynesianism continue to desperately promote their failed policy as the economy languishes in a deep slumber. Supporters of all government edicts use Humanitarian arguments to justify them. Humanitarian arguments are always used to justify government mandates related to the economy, monetary policy, foreign policy, and personal liberty. This is on purpose to make it more difficult to challenge. But initiating violence for humanitarian reason, reasons is still violence. Good intentions are no excuse and are just as harmful as when the people use with, uh, and force with bad intentions. The results are always negative. The immoral use of force is the source of man's political problems. Sadly, many religious groups, secular organizations, and psychopathic authoritarians endorse government-initiated force to change the world. Even when the desired goals are well-intentioned, or especially when they're well-intentioned, the results are dismal. The good results sought never materialize. The new problems created require even more government force as a solution. The net result is institutionalizing government-initiated violence and morally justifying it on humanitarian grounds. This is the same fundamental reason our government uses force for invading other countries at will, central economic planning at home, and the regulation of personal liberty and habits of our citizens. It is rather strange that unless one has a criminal mind and no respect for other people and their property, no one claims it's permissible to go into one's neighbor's house and tell them how to behave, what they can eat, smoke and drink, or how to spend their money. Yet, rarely is it asked why it is, a, why is it morally acceptable that a stranger with a badge and a gun can do the same thing in the name of law and order. Any resistance is met with brute force, fines, taxes, arrests, And even imprisonment. This is done more frequently every day without a search warrant. No government monopoly over initiating violence is what we need. Restraining aggressive behavior is one thing, but legalizing a government monopoly for initiating aggression can only lead to exhausting liberty associated with chaos, anger, and a breakdown of civil society. Permitting such authority and expecting a saintly behavior from the bureaucrats and the politician politicians is a pipe dream we now have a standing army of armed bureaucrats in the tsa cia fbi fishing wildlife fema irs corps of engineers etc numbering over a hundred thousand citizens are guilty until proven innocent in the unconstitutional administrative courts government in a free society should have no authority to meddle in the social activities or the economic transactions of individuals, nor should government meddle in the affairs of other nations. All things peaceful, even when controversial, should be permitted. We must reject the notion of prior restraint in economic activity, just as we do in the area of free speech and religious liberty. But even in these areas, government is starting to use a backdoor approach of political correctness to regulate speech A very dangerous trend. Since 9-11, monitoring speech on the Internet is now a problem since warrants are no longer required. The proliferation of federal crimes. The Constitution established four federal crimes. Today, the experts can't even agree on how many federal crimes are now on the books. They number into the thousands. No one person can comprehend the enormity of the legal system, especially the tax code. Due to the ill-advised drug wars and the endless uh, federal expansion of the criminal code, we have over 6 million people under correctional suspension, more than the Soviets ever had and more than any other nation today, including China. I don't understand the complacency of the Congress and the willingness to continue their obsession with passing more federal laws, mandatory sentencing laws associated with drug laws have compounded our prison problems. The Federal Register is now 75,000 pages long and the tax code 72,000 pages and expands every year. When when will the people start shouting, enough is enough, and demand Congress to cease and desist? What we should be doing is achieving liberty. Liberty can only be achieved when government is denied the aggressive use of force. If one seeks liberty, a precise type of government is needed. To achieve it, more than lip service is required. There are two choices available. One, a government designed to protect liberty is a natural right as its sole objective. The people are expected to care for themselves and reject the use of any force for interfering with another person's liberty. Government is given a strictly limited authority to enforce contracts, property ownerships, settles disputes, and defend against foreign aggression. Number two, a government that pretends to protect liberty but is granted power to arbitrarily use force over the people and foreign nations. Though the grant of power many times is meant to be small and limited, it inevitably metastasizes into an omnipotent political cancer. This is the problem for which the world has suffered throughout the ages. Though meant to be limited, it nevertheless is a 100% sacrifice of the principle that would-be tyrants find irresistible. It is used vigorously, though incrementally, and insidiously. Granting power to government officials always proves the, average, the adage that power, power corrupts. Once government, once government gets a limited concession for the use of force to mold people's habits and plan the economy, it causes a steady erosion and a steady move toward tyrannical government. Only a revolutionary spirit can reverse the process and deny the government this arbitrary use of aggression. There is no in-between. Sacrificing a a little liberty for imaginary safety always ends badly. Today's mess is a result of Americans accepting... Option number two, even though the founders attempted to give us option number one. The results are not good. As our liberties have been eroded, our wealth has been consumed. The wealth we see today is based on debt and a foolish willingness on the part of foreigners to take our dollars for goods and services. Then they loan them back to us to perpetuate our debt system. It's amazing that it has worked for this long, but the impasse in Washington in solving our problems indicate that many are starting to understand the seriousness of this worldwide debt crisis and the dangers we face. The longer this process continues, the harsher the outcome will be. The financial crisis is actually a moral crisis. Many are acknowledging that a financial crisis looms, but few understand it's in reality a moral crisis. It's the moral crisis that has allowed our liberties to be undermined and permits the exponential growth of illegal government power. Without a clear understanding of the nature of the crisis, it will be difficult to prevent a steady march toward tyranny and the poverty that will accompany it. Ultimately, the people have to decide which form of government they want, option number one or option number two, There is no other choice. Claiming there is a choice of a little tyranny is like describing pregnancy as a touch of pregnancy. It is a myth to believe that a mixture of free markets and government central economic planning is a worthy compromise. What we see today is a result of that type of thinking and the results speak for themselves. A culture of violence. Americans now suffer from a culture of violence. It is easy to reject the initiation of violence against one's neighbor. But it's ironic that the people arbitrarily and freely anoint government officials with monopoly power to initiate violence against the American people, practically at will. Because it's the government that initiates force, most people accept it as being legitimate. Those who exert the force have no sense of guilt, it is believed by many, by too many, that governments are morally justified in initiating violence supposedly to do good. They incorrectly believe that this authority has come from the consent of the people. The minority, or victims of government violence, never consented to suffer the abuse of government mandates, even when dictated by the majority. Victims of TSA excesses never consented to this abuse. This attitude has given us a policy of initiating war to do good as well. It is claimed that war, to prevent war for noble purposes, is justified. This is similar to what we were once told that, quote, destroying a village to save a village, close quote, was justified. It was said by a U.S. Secretary of State that the loss of 500,000 Iraqis mostly children, in the 1990s as a result of American bonds and sanctions was worth it to achieve the good we brought to the people of Iraq. And look at the mess that Iraq is in today. Government use of force to mold social and economic behavior at home and abroad has justified individuals using force on their own terms. The fact that violence by government is seen as morally justified is the reason why violence will increase when the big financial crisis hits and becomes a political crisis as well. First, we recognize that individuals shouldn't initiate violence. Then we give the authority to the government. Eventually, the immoral use of government violence, when things go badly, will be used to justify an individual's right to do the same thing. Neither the government nor individuals have the moral right to initiate violence against another, yet we are moving toward the day when both... Will claim this authority. If this cycle is not reversed, society will break down. When needs are pressing and conditions deteriorate and rights become relative to the demands and the whims of the majority, it's then that not as it's then not a great leap for individuals to take it upon themselves to use violence to get what they claim is theirs. As the economy deteriorates and the wealth discrepancy increase as they already are occurring, violence increases as those in need take it in their own hands to get what they believe is theirs. They will not wait for a government rescue program. When government officials wield power over others to bail out the special interests, even with disastrous results to the average citizens, they feel no guilt for the harm they do. Those who take us into undeclared wars with many casualties resulting never lose sleep over the deaths and the destruction their bad decisions caused. They are convinced that what they do is morally justified in the fact that many suffered just can't be helped. When the street criminals do the same thing, they too have no remorse, believing that they are only taking what is rightfully theirs. All moral standards become relative, whether it's bailouts, privileges, government subsidies, or benefits for some from inflating a currency. It's all part of a process justified by a philosophy of forced redistribution of wealth. Violence or a threat of such is the instrument required and unfortunately is of little concern of most members of Congress. Some argue it's only a matter of fairness that those in need are cared for. There are two problems with this. First, the principle is used to provide a greater amount of benefits to the rich than to the poor. Second, no one seems to be concerned about whether or not it's fair to those who end up paying for all the benefits. The costs are usually placed on the backs of the middle class and are hidden from the public eye. Too many people believe government handouts are free, like printing money out of thin air and there's no cost. That deception is coming to an end. The bills are coming due, and that's what the economic slowdown is all about. Sadly, we have become accustomed to living with the illegitimate use of force by government. It is the tool for telling the people how to live, what to eat and drink, what to read, and how to spend their money. To develop a truly free society, the issue of initiating force must be understood and rejected. Granting to government even a small amount of force is a dangerous concession. Limiting government excesses versus a virtuous moral people. Our Constitution, which was intended to limit government power and abuse, has failed. The founders warned that a free society depends on a virtuous and moral people. The current crisis reflects that their concerns were justified. Many politicians and pundits are aware of the problems we face but spend all their time in trying to reform government. The sad part is that the suggested reforms almost always leads to less freedom and the importance of a virtuous and moral people is either ignored or not understood. The new reforms serve only to further undermine liberty. The compounding effect has given us the steady erosion of liberty and the massive expansion of debt. The real question is, if it is liberty we seek, should most of the emphasis be placed on government, reform, or trying to understand what a virtuous and moral people means and how to promote it? The Constitution has not prevented the people from demanding handouts for both rich and poor, in their efforts to reform the government while ignoring the principles of a free society. All branches of our government today are controlled by individuals who use their power to undermine liberty and enhance the welfare warfare state and frequently their own wealth and power. If the people are unhappy with the government performance it must be recognized that government is merely a reflection of an immoral society that rejected a moral government of constitutional limits It's on power and love of freedom. If this is the problem, all the tinkering with thousands of pages of new laws and regulations will do nothing to solve the problem. It is self-evidence that our freedoms have been severely limited and the apparent prosperity we still have is nothing more than leftover wealth from a previous time. This fictitious wealth based on debt and benefits from a false trust in our currency and credit will play havoc with our society when the bills come due. This means that the full consequence of our lost liberties is yet to be felt. But that illusion is now ending. Reversing a downward spiral depends on accepting a new approach. Expect the rapidly expanding homeschooling movement to play a significant role in the revolutionary reforms needed to rebuild a free society with constitutional protections. We cannot expect a federal government controlled school system to provide the intellectual ammunition to combat the dangerous growth of government that threatens our liberties. The internet will provide the alternative to the government media complex that controls the news and most political propaganda. This is why it's essential that the internet remains free of government regulation. Many of our religious institutions and secular organizations support greater dependency on the state by supporting war, welfare, and corporatism, and ignore the need for a virtuous people. I never believed that the world or our country could be made more free by politicians if the people had no desire for freedom. Under the current circumstances, the most we can hope to achieve in the political process is to use it as a podium to reach the people, to alert them of the nature of the crisis and the importance of their need to assume responsibility for themselves. If it is liberty that they truly seek, without this, a constitutionally protected free society is impossible. If this is true, our individual goal in life ought to be for us to seek virtue and excellence and recognize that self-esteem and happiness only comes from using one's natural ability in the most productive manner possible, according to one's own talents. Own talents. Productivity and creativity are the true source of personal satisfaction. Freedom and not dependency provides the environment needed to achieve these goals. Government cannot do this for us. It only gets in the way. When the government gets involved, the goal becomes a bailout or a subsidy, and these cannot provide a sense of personal achievement. Achieving legislative power and political influence should not be our goal. Most of the change, if it is to come, will will not come from the politicians, but rather from individuals, family, friends, intellectual leaders, and our religious institutions. The solution can only come from rejecting the use of coercion, compulsion, government commands, and aggressive force to mold social and economic behavior. Without accepting these restraints, inevitably the consensus will be to allow the government to mandate economic equality and obedience to the politicians who gain power and promote an environment that smothers the freedoms of everyone. It is then that the responsible individuals who seek excellence and self-esteem by being self-reliant and productive become the victims. In conclusion, what are the greatest dangers that the American people face today that impede the goal of a free society. There are five. The continuous attack on our civil liberties, which threaten the rule of law and our ability to resist the onrush of tyranny. Number two, violent anti-Americanism that has engulfed the world. Because the phenomenon of blowback is not understood or denied, our foreign policy is destined to keep us involved in many wars that we have no business being in. National bankruptcy and a greater threat to our national security will result. Number three, the ease in which we go to war, without a declaration by Congress but accepting international authority from the UN or NATO even from, for preemptive wars, otherwise known as aggression. A financial political crisis as a consequence. Number four, a financial political crisis as a consequence of excessive debt, unfunded liabilities, spending, bailouts, and gross discrepancy in wealth distribution, going from the middle class to the rich. The danger of central economic planning by the Federal Reserve must be understood. World government taking over local and U.S. sovereignty by getting involved in the issues of war, welfare, trade, banking, a world currency, taxes, property, ownership, and private ownership of guns must be addressed. Happily, there is an answer for these very dangerous trends. What a wonderful world it would be if everyone accepted the simple moral premise of rejecting all acts of aggression. The retort to such a suggestion is always, too simplistic, too idealistic, impractical, naive, utopian, dangerous, and unrealistic to strive for such an ideal. The answer to that is that for thousands of years, the acceptance of government force to rule over the people at the sacrifice of liberty was considered moral and the only available option for achieving peace and prosperity. What could be more utopian than that meant? Considering the results, especially looking at the state-sponsored killing by nearly every government during the 20th century, Estimated to be in the hundreds of millions of people, it's time to reconsider this grant of authority to the state. No good has ever come from granting monopoly power to the state to use aggression against the people to arbitrarily mold human behavior. Such power, when left unchecked, becomes the seed of an ugly tyranny. This, me- this method of governance has been adequately tested, and the results are in. The reality dictates we try liberty. The idealism of non-aggression and rejecting the offensive use of force should be tried. The idealism of government-sanctioned violence has been abused throughout history and is the primary source of poverty and war. The theory of a society being based on individual freedom has been around for a long time. It's time to take a bold step and actually permit it by advancing this cause rather than taking a step backwards as some would like us to do today. Today, the principles of habeas corpus established. When King John signed the Magna Carta in 1215, is under attack in our own government. There's every reason to believe that a renewed effort with the use of the Internet that we can instead advance the cause of liberty by spreading an uncensored message that will serve to rein in government authority and challenge the obsession with war and welfare. What I'm talking about is a system of government guided by the moral principles of peace and tolerance. The founders were convinced that a free society could not exist without a moral people. Just writing rules won't work if the people choose to ignore them. Today, the rule of law written in the Constitution has little meaning for most Americans, especially those who work in Washington, D.C. Benjamin Franklin claimed, quote, Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. John Adams concurred, Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. A moral people must reject all violence in an effort to mold people's beliefs or habits. A society that boos or ridicules the golden rule is not a moral society. All great religions endorse the golden rule. The same moral standards that individuals are required to follow should apply to all government officials. They cannot be exempt. The ultimate solution is not in the hands of the government. The Solution falls on each and every individual with guidance from family, friends, and community. The number one responsibility for each of us is to change ourselves with hope that others will follow. This is of greater importance than the working on changing the government. That is secondary to promoting a virtuous society. If we can achieve this, then the government will change. It doesn't mean that political action or holding office has no value. At times, it does nudge policy in the right direction. But what is true is that when seeking office is done for personal aggrandizement, money, or power, it becomes useless if not harmful. When political action is taken for the right reasons, it's easy to understand why compromise should be avoided. It's also become clear why progress is best achieved by working with coalitions, which bring people together without anyone sacrificing his principles. Political action, to be truly beneficial, must be directed toward changing the hearts and minds of the people, recognizing that it's virtue and morality of the people that allow liberty to flourish. The Constitution, or more laws per se, have no value if the people's attitudes aren't changed. To achieve liberty and peace, two powerful human emotions have to be overcome. Number one is envy, which leads to hate and class warfare. Number two is intolerance, which leads to bigoted and judgmental policies. These emotions must be replaced with a much better understanding of love, compassion, tolerance, and free market economics. Freedom, when understood, brings people together. When tried, freedom is popular. The problem we have faced over the years has been that economic interventionists are swayed by envy, whereas social interventionists are swayed by intolerance of habits and lifestyles. The misunderstanding that tolerance is an endorsement of certain activity motivates many to legislate moral standards, which shouldn't only be set by individuals making their own choices. Both sides use force to deal with these misplaced emotions. Both are authoritarians. Neither endorses voluntarism. Both views ought to be rejected. I have come to one firm conviction after these many years of trying to figure out the plain truth of things. The best chance for achieving peace and prosperity for the maximum number of people worldwide is to pursue pursue the cause of liberty. If you find this to be a worthwhile message, spread it throughout the land. And I yield back the balance of my time. It's back.
1: So I couldn't have said it better myself. So everyone, get this broadcast out to the people that you know, the people that you like, the people you care about, the people you think will be able to absorb this message. Because, I mean, it it really does come down to a point of do you want liberty or do you want tyranny? Because as he states in his speech multiple times over, we got authoritarians that are in charge that want to bring about Tell you what to do, tell you where to go, when to be there. And as a human being on this planet, I don't think it's my right nor anybody else's right to tell you where you should go, what you should do, who you should do it with, and what you should do. Now, if it endangers other people, obviously you have to address that. But if you're in your home, do whatever you like. It's none of my business. Thanks for listening, everybody. Get the broadcast out to everyone. once again. The three things that we live by here, get a friend, get informed, and get involved, and love liberty, everyone. Thanks for listening.